and I am the host of the podcast Mental Health Matters by Rich Woman Magazine. Today, um, we are going to be talking about self-care in the workplace. You know, when we think of self-care, many people look at it like it's like, you know, brushing your teeth, taking your shower, having good hygiene, um, but it's not. It's, it's, it's higher up on the Maslow, <laughs> the Maslow uh, hierarchy of needs, and it's probably the most important thing you can do in your personal life as well as in your professional life. And without it, you know, success cannot be, you know, maintained for very long. And with it, the sky's the limit. And not just with success in business, we're talking about relationships. Because self-care means taking care of yourself emotionally. How do you keep yourself well when the world is zipping by you a million miles an hour? You have a boss telling you you have to have this paper, this document, this account closed, and by 6 o'clock p.m. or whatever it may be. You have babies crying in the background. You have to get home and cook dinner. Or now, in the COVID era, maybe you are home and you're trying to do it all at once. Manage your kids, manage, manage your business, and manage your mental, physical health. So today... That is why I chose a topic to launch off my very first Mental Health Matters podcast of the season with the topic of self-care in the workplace. And today, we have a wonderful guest, and she is close to my heart, and this is why. In high school, I knew Sherry. Her name is Sherry Ann Zwetzlut. Sorry, Sherry. Zwetzlut. That was beautiful. Perfect. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and in high school, we both were on the same girls' flag football team. Yeah, she's another jock. And we both were <laughs> running backs. And Sherry was, oh my God, she was, she was beautiful. She is beautiful. She was friendly, she was popular, she was all of these things. Her and I were really popular. And one thing we realized that we had in common, I think we only realized this since we reconnected on Facebook, is boy, we both came from a dysfunctional family, had no idea, no idea, you know? Like, so that's what I want to share with all of you. You could be in high school or your kids are in high school, you know, you can be walking down the street, you can be working in the office, you don't know what people's past are. But that's another story for another time. But today, we're, like I said, we're talking about, we're, sorry, today we're talking about self-care in the workplace. And let me give you, let me tell you what Sherry has become since growing up, you know? High school, she was doing well, and here she is as an adult. So. Sherry Ann was raised in the heart of Scarborough in the east side of Toronto on Lake Ontario in Canada. She was born into a dysfunctional family in the mid-60s as an illegitimate child of an affair. And as a result, she was raised white Anglo-Saxon Protestant culture. 
Sherry was the youngest of three. She had two brothers, four and six years. Sorry, she had two brothers, four and six years older. They're, they're still not four and six, so forget about that. Um, unbeknownst to Sherry, in late midlife, shortly after her husband's death, Sherry discovered she was Native heritage and set out to find her true roots. After facing a childhood of neglect, rejection, and abuse, Sherry carried those negative messages into her adult life. Her tragedies made her realize, you know, she was worth far more in the mouth than the world seemed to be dealing her. Sherry decided, Sherry decided to navigate and forge a new life path for herself and her children, building it on the foundation of acceptance, self-love, and self-respect. It is because of that journey she has acquired several achievements and successes. Sherry Swetzlut is an accomplished real estate broker, advertising major, professional cosmetologist, and, published, and a published international best-selling co-author in the self-help category. Leaving her, leaving her position in advertising as an accounts executive at a large radio firm to pursue the dream of independence, freedom, and wealth in the world of real estate, she has acquired some of the most respected awards in the industry. Since her first year in the industry, she has been awarded a silver individual platinum team. Sorry, she has been awarded a silver individual platinum, platinum team top 10 of her brokerage chairman's club diamond driver and landed herself in the top 100 in Canada for commercial sales during a designated period. Whoa, that's pretty amazing. She has made well over seven digits income since her first deal less than six years ago. She is healthy, she is wealthy, and she is woman. Let me welcome <laughs> Sherry Ann Zwetludes. Hi, Sherry. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm great. That's wow. quite an intro. <laughs> it is. It's quite a life. Wow. Yeah, like, seriously, that's really, really, that's impressive. It has been exciting. It's been a journey. It has. So, self-care. Uh -huh. What's your definition, Sherry, of self-care? Oh, self-care is the pinnacle of healthy lifestyle. Uh, self-care is the ability to respect and love yourself and not feel guilty about it, not feel selfish for it, um, to do it because it is what is required for you to complete what your mission is while you're on this planet, while you're going through your journey. Yeah, yeah, well said, yeah. well said. Yeah. I, I, would, I would agree with that. Sure. Yeah. Sherry. <laughs> yeah, Ange. Yeah, Ange. <laughs> Down. Hut. One. <laughs> Huddle in the puddle. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, Sherry, if I were to hang out with you for a day, what would I witness? You know, can you give me and our audience a glimpse or a snapshot into a working day in the life of Sherry Ann Zwetzlut? Oh, I can try. Um... In real estate, no two days are alike. Uh, you get up in the morning, you don't know what you're gonna, what's entailed. Uh, but what I've done to design my lifestyle, because real estate is a lifestyle. It's not like getting up and going to work 
as a ritual um, um, pattern each day. Every day you get up, you're in, you're in work for yourself. You're employing yourself. So it's up to you to get up and design your day. To do that successfully, I always get up in the morning with the sun. I, I belong to the 5 a.m. club. I get up. I do my ritual of juicing, um, detoxing tea, meditation, about 20 minutes of yoga, and then I shower and get on with my day. And what that entails at that point is going out, meeting people, shaking hands, drawing up contracts, helping people transition in their life uh, to move on to the next level. They may want to sell their house. They may want to buy a home. They want to move. Um, but you always have to be aware of what you're doing because you have people's lives in your hands. And the transition that you are walking them through has the ability to change the rest of their life and their entire outcome. So my day is a day of constant meditation, constant self-awareness, and constant self-checking. Yeah, what, what would that be? Like, what is this constant self-checking? Can you, what would be Yeah, well, you, when, when you're doing constant self-checking in my industry, you're always making sure that you're not standing in a personal position. Um, when you're working with people and um, taking care of people, it's not about me, it's about them. So it is a natural human position that when something goes awry or, or um, people make comments or whatever, that you own it as a personal um, threat or attack or, or criticism. So when I say self-checking all the time, even when I'm alone, I'm always share. Where are you at right now? How are you feeling right now? If I find I'm uptight, I take a few minutes, step aside and regroup um, because it's so important, especially in the working industry and in the working field, not to carry your personal emotions and opinions as armor. So that's what I mean by self-checking. Yeah, and you know what? You said something there that stood out as armor because that's really what happens, right? Like when, when we are taking things personally, it, then the reaction can be defensiveness, yeah, mm -hmm. right? And when we're defensive, yeah. we're wearing armor. So, yeah, is that something that is said in the industry, self-checking, or is that your, are, are those your words? Oh, no, these are my words. Um, okay. Everybody runs through their own careers in their own way. But I'm an observer and I've seen a lot of things over the years in this industry and I made it a personal self choice to stay on my path of what is right for me. So when I say self checking, I just make sure I'm not going to fall into any of those pit holes that um, are going to allow me to be upset with myself or to criticize myself or to um, judge myself. So no, these are my ways. These are my survival tactics. Yes. The, yes. And they, they remind me of mindfulness. I mean, in graduate school, I studied mindfulness and that just became part of who I am. And I, and it's basically like you're being aware of being aware. And as a psychotherapist, when I'm sitting with a client, it's really important that I am in a space of, of, you know, as 
neutral as possible. That doesn't mean not having an emotion, not having an experience, because emotions, experiences are helpful if we use them in the proper way. But it does mean that I'm not reacting or projecting things onto the client. And I, can, I do that by checking in with myself on a regular basis when I'm with clients and, you know, and of course when I'm just navigating in the world. So I really do get, I, I do, I like that. And I think it's really important that we do that. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. without that, what are you? You become primal, right? Like, yeah, it, that that's getting really deep. But yeah. <laughs> without that, absolutely, I think you become defensive and you become, um, you you own something that doesn't belong to you. Uh, I mean, we're getting really <laughs> deep into this, but um, yeah, I think it's really really important that when you are in the workplace. Um, and you are going through your day because we were we were trying to um understand where our heads are at it's just very important that to understand that in my opinion there are two things an opinion and a a potential problem so when something arises in the office you're going to either react because you have an opinion or you're going to step back and see there's a problem and there needs to be a solution. Um, I find that when you're in an opinion position, it, generally you've been triggered um, because you are drawing an opinion. You're, you're sitting in the situation as yourself instead of being in the workplace and being part of the machine or a piston or a valve that makes the engine run. Um, so again, when I'm in, am in the workplace and I am moving through each day I am just exactly what you said self-aware be aware of what your job is that day what your duties are that day what your tasks are that day maybe write down a daily plan every morning and just stay focused on that and if you find that you are in a position where, hey, the boss upset you or the person in the cubicle beside you has upset you, remove yourself. Pick yourself up. Remove yourself from the area. If you can't remove yourself from the area, just roll your chair back and take a moment and take a couple deep breaths and just ask yourself, why am I upset here? What has happened here to upset me? And if you are in tune with yourself and you are self-aware, you're going to have the ability to say, okay, I see what's happened here. Because everybody runs on an emotional cycle and and we have uh, a stimulant, we have a cue, a trigger, and then we run through the cycle and it just keeps going around. So if you have an opinion, then chances are you've been triggered. If you see a problem or an issue that needs to be addressed, then you work with your cohorts or uh, the people you work with or yourself to find the solution. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I mean, our, our brains, you know, in the prefrontal cortex is the, you know, it's the newest part of our evolutionary brain. You know, we've had, we've had our primal brain for, you know, you know, billions of years, and this new part of our brain is is so young, and now 
we, and the old part of the brain is really important, right? We need to, de to detect threat because it's going to save our butts, save our lives. But in today's world, we don't have a cyber-toothed tiger chasing us down the street. And, you know, how often do you have some, you know, serial killer chasing you down the street or something? If that happens, then, you know, the fight and flight and freeze kicks in and then you're ready. All the blood is flow is flowing to your limbs and you're ready to fight or you're ready to flat to flee um however today we don't our brains can't differentiate between being hunted down by a cyber tiger in the wild or a grizzly bear and a very stressful day like things throwing at you so losing a big account at work and and feeling like you could lose your job so that's where all of this awareness comes in. It's so important that you can use that prefrontal cortex to say, hey, look, no, I'm not in danger. And when we don't have self-care, then we are more disconnected from the prefrontal cortex. And they've even done research that shows that. You know, the more we're in fear and, and shame and blame and stress, the, the less we are using the prefrontal cortex for complex thinking and problem solving and would and can basically save you in life well shouldn't say life or death situation in situations where your brain thinks you're in danger but you tell your brain hey no this is not i'm not in danger i'm having i feel stressed out i feel worried i'm going to lose my job and like how can i solve this what do i need to do and like you said sherry maybe it's just leaving the area because we don't know what that person's personal trigger is or putting their chair back and just chilling and relaxing. Well, so, yeah. You, yeah. You know, again, if you're in a situation where um, you've lost a corporate account or, you know, you're working on a deal and all of a sudden in the last hour, it, it, it just kind of goes sideways and blows up. You have to understand one really, really important thing, and that is if you are really true to yourself and you've really done your job, you've done it well. I mean, you, uh, you acquired the account originally. You completed the deal originally. If something happens where it goes sideways in the end, don't beat yourself up. Don't go to a position of, Oh, am I going to lose my job? Am I going to this or that? You have to be able to see the thing is stuff like that can happen and your response is going to actually decide the outcome of whether you lose your job or you don't. Um, if an account goes sideways, it, the eyes, yes, they're going to be on you. So it's very important that you carry yourself and understand one very important thing that unless you deliberately uh, sabotaged it, then maybe you deserve to be dismissed. Um, but if you didn't sabotage it, it may be the other party that something in their life, something in their business, something in their financials, something in their legalities didn't add up and they chose to withdraw. You know, don't own it as a personal, own it as a living learning experience and ask yourself okay 
the, 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 the deal didn't close. Did I do everything I was required to do to get it to that point? Check, 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 check. Yes. Okay. Did I do something to decide for this deal to not close? No. So now you're, you have to put yourself in a position where you don't go home at night and beat yourself up for the next 12 hours and maybe um, have it ripple out into your family or affect those close to you. You need to be in the moment. You need to breathe through it, do the checklist, and then let it go. But it's very important that you do sit with it so that you can allow it to move through you. Because if you don't, you're going to carry it. It's going to get all confusing. And you're going to somehow make it look like it was actually your fault <laughs> when maybe yes. it wasn't. Do you follow yes. me? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. so understand that we're all working in corporate trades, manufacturing, service, retail areas of the world. I mean, we work to make the world go around. Things are going to go awry. But you get up every morning and you go to work and you go to work because you enjoy it. You enjoy what you're doing. And if you don't, my advice is to start exploring what does get you to the point where you want to get up in the morning. Um, but uh, you just do your job really well and accept that things are going to go wrong and learn from them. Every time something in life goes wrong, I welcome it with gratitude because something went sideways or went not as planned, not necessarily wrong, but it did not go as planned. Thank you very much because I need to learn something from this. And then I take what I've learned from that and I apply it to apply it to the next task. And this is how you grow. If something doesn't go wrong or sideways, I hate that word wrong. When something doesn't go as planned or it goes sideways or it doesn't finish and complete the way you wanted it to, Again, welcome it because you're growing and take it with you. Right. And, and that takes self-care to get to a place like oh, that. Because absolutely. sometimes, you know, the person starts like when, like with, as I shared with that example about the brain, the primal brain, if, if we don't know how, if we're not aware of what we're aware of, then we don't even realize that these are, our, our thought loops just spinning out of control, right? Mm -hmm. And so, which brings me to the next um, question. Okay, so taking a break. I know when I was when I was in in the office, and I still do that now. But when I work in the hospital setting, it is so busy, uh, and it's like you just keep going, go 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 go, and there's always emergencies, and I had to just close my door shut off the lights and take even if I had only five minutes and just sit with myself in those five minutes and boof, I would feel better. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I had to do ongoingly. And when you do it ongoingly and not just in the moment, like when you're stressed out, that's, that's kind of like just 
band-aiding things, like trying to, trying to, it's like the, our medical system. Our medical system is like you go there when you're injured. You don't do anything to prevent it. So the, the habit of self-care is what really can lessen the stress reaction and um, keep you healthy, and which brings me into this, what I'm saying, allowing you to be more mindful about what you're mindful about. And so you know, in lifestyle, so like how would you, in lifestyle, what do you do? What is your lifestyle like that, make, that keeps you healthy? Well, well, let's face it, we're all women. <laughs> and our natural instinct is to nurture and care for. So am I, here's an opinion. Oh, and believe I it or not, not opinion. all women nurture. Not all women nurture. I, well, I, I can tell you that I, as a psychotherapist, but yeah. Okay, well, my point, Ange, is this, that we are women. So we do tend to um, spread ourselves thin because we are by theory, supposed to be nurturers. And, and I think that's just something natural, um, you know, and I've seen it in the workplace. So, so how do we contend with this? Because if we're spreading ourselves too thin, we're getting run down and then you're on the path to burnout. And once you burn out, it is such a journey back. And I've seen it happen in my workplaces and it's, it's really quite sad. Um, so what I do is I have a long time ago, um, after several um, of my life uh, tragedies, decided a very, very long time ago, this is not okay. It's not okay to um, be spreading myself then, to be always doing for the other person, to be victimizing myself and enabling other people to do that. Uh, so I started carving out my own life by allowing myself and giving myself permission to love myself, to take care of myself, to give myself time and not allow anyone to take away from that. Um, you know, you, you give of yourself con consistently, so you have to give back. And I have a, a, a saying I use, a cliche that I use and I've always used this with my kids when they they were growing up saying oh but mom you didn't do this or mom you got to come to tonight's thing at the school or and if I really couldn't couldn't I would say you know I have to take care of the caregiver because if I fall to my knees who's going to take care of you kids who's going to take care of the the fort <laughs> um so exactly. you know it's really important as women especially, and I'm not saying not men, I'm just, I guess, because I'm a woman and I'm sharing with you all, to make sure that we do carve time out for ourselves. Um, if you read, that reading time, taking a yoga class, if you want to learn to play the piano, taking those classes, jogging, uh, racing cars, climbing mountains, uh, whatever it is that fills your cup back up you must carve time out for that every single day whether it's if you're mountain climbing of course you can't mountain climb every day but you know what you can take time to read an article about someone that has or um, you could go out and get online and find those mountain boots that you wanted or you could look at trail maps of where you may want to hike next but carve that time out 
and put it into your routine and do not allow it to be jeopardized. If a client calls you and you set up an appointment with them, um, you expect that appointment to be kept. If you make an appointment with your doctor, you expect that appointment to be kept. So when you make an appointment with yourself, especially as entrepreneurs, because a lot of our schedules are 24 seven. When you're an entrepreneur, it's not a job, it's a lifestyle in, in any of the part of the industry of being an entrepreneur. So you must allow yourself that time and give yourself permission to have that time and then reward yourself as well. When you've done an yeah. accomplishment, and reward yourself. When your kids or, or people around you, or if you have a staff or a team and they do well, you reward them. So quietly reward yourself and learn to take care of yourself first because if you don't take care of yourself first, it's a selfless thing, first of all. Um, it's selfish to not take care of yourself because if you don't, then everything that you've built can come tumbling down or that the people so, that rely on you. Yeah. 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 That's or wonderfully the, said, Sherry. Like I, I, that's beautifully said. And I think that's really, really important. And I, I mean, every day. Yeah. I believe that like we need to take care of ourselves, do something every day. And I have to say, I don't do it every day. I try and I really love your example of how you can extrapolate from, let's say you can't get out there if you're a hiker or a walker, read an article for 20 minutes about it because it brings you back to that place, your special place. Mm -hmm. And I think that is, is, is beautiful. I, and I just love how you share that. And mm -hmm. that's something that, yeah. Yeah, I well, it'll it, add it, to it, my repertoire. <laughs> well, it keeps you from dropping the ball. Like when you and I were running down the field and we were told to lob, if I wasn't mm -hmm. up to my game, I wouldn't have caught your lob or vice versa. You know, mm -hmm. you have to really understand that you have to take care of yourself to make sure everything in your world stays on schedule and runs as you want it to. And it not it it always it won't always run as you want it to. But when it doesn't, then you're healthy and wealthy and wise enough to to know how to move through it with grace. Yes, yes. Well, how about I just want to know? Like, I mean, for me, um, of course, self care, emotion regulation—they're all tied in together. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about. Sometimes at a time in your life where maybe you didn't have the self-care or you had an off day because we all have off days and where we do and say things we don't want to do and um, then we look back at it. It's like, oh, yeah, I can see why I did or said that I didn't I didn't adhere to my own standards, my own standards of taking that time for myself and doing A, B or C. So, you know, you you, Sherry, are a busy woman. And you are an active participant in your own life, meaning you make life happen as opposed to waiting for life to happen to you. Mm -hmm. You know, however, this is likely something, you know, that you've had to really work at and you continue to work at today, an ongoing skill requiring ongoing attention. Uh, you're a successful woman, a, a mother. I imagine juggling all of this can get hectic at the best of times, right? And we all have, like I said, good days and not so good days and bad days. Uh, when things go our way, we feel good about ourselves, others, and life in general. And we call this being in a good mood. 
And at these times, we often breeze right by life's minor annoyances, and sometimes we don't even notice them. Uh, given the high-stress moments, many of us, you know, we live in, like I said in the introduction, we live in a very fast-paced world. Even in COVID, there's a lot of new stresses that have come up. Um, and it can leave us in what we call a bad mood and behave in ways and saying things that are not in our best interest or in others, like snapping at her kids or a co-worker or spouse, you know. So I guess what, what I want to ask you is thinking back to a time, you know, when you lack the awareness and clarity or a moment and identified more with, you know, life happening to you, a victim of your circumstances, so to speak, I'll also ask you the flip side, so I want to leave the best for last. Uh, did you experience, like, did you experience bad moves because of life's events like, in that psyche at the time? And if yes, how did it affect you and those around you? Well, yeah, I grew up in a dysfunctional family. and uh, So I should have said post-childhood. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> but even then, right? <laughs> uh, well, as, as I was saying, growing up in a dysfunctional family, you, the messaging systems you carry with you into your adult life can create that same vortex where you're thinking, oh, why is this happening to me? It's always happening, blah, 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 blah. And yeah, it can create um, a very negative environment for yourself. But, you know, yeah, I, I, like everyone in life, you make decisions, you're, you're upset, something has happened, you've lost perspective, um, you're not grounded, and you make decisions or you snap at someone. And it, it really had nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with you. Um, you know, again, it takes you back to, do you learn from it, move forward, or do you not? Um, when is when was the pivoting point? Uh, I guess the the pivoting point was when I ended up in a shelter with my kids due to an abusive marriage. And you know, even prior just prior to that, you realize that if things keep going wrong in your life and you you feel that you're depressed all the time or that you're snapping at people all the time, by all means, reach out and seek help. Um, there's no shame in seeking help. I'm, I'm, I've had therapy and, you know, it's, it was probably some of the best, that, that was a real self-gift. You know, I knew something wasn't right when you watch the world around you achieve and you, you're there thinking, why did, why always them and not me? Why can I not achieve? Why am I not good at something? When you have so many whys and you have so much blame, then you know that it's time to pick up the phone and, and call your doctor and get, get, seek some help and, and talk to somebody, talk to a professional who can help you gain insight into what may really be going on and uh, move move forward from there and and understand there's no shame there's no shame in mental health in fact there should be more support for people to get mental health it's not a taboo thing I'd love to 
figure out where all of that started. <laughs> I mean, you break your leg, you go to the hospital and get yeah. it fixed. If you're diabetic, you go to the doctor, you say, I'm sick all the time, what's happening? Take an injection, okay. You walk in and say, I can't get my head straight, I'm crying all the time, my world is crumbling all the time, I'm afraid maybe of self-harm or maybe I'm, I'm damaging you know, the well-being of other people, help me. It's, mm -hmm. it's the same. It's the same. And just as, for some reason, when people put mental health on it, it becomes a closet secret. Yes, yes, and, I agree. You know, yeah. so what did I do? Yes, I, I went through a couple of years where I didn't like myself at all. And if you don't like yourself, chances are the people around you don't like you either because you're projecting. Mm -hmm. But I had the ability to say, this is not okay, I want more, and reached out. And then from that reaching out, um, I learned, and your thinking changes. And then I was able to pivot. And once I started pivoting, all of the credentials started happening. The life-changing experiences started happening. I, I started watching my children succeed. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I really liked myself. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, I always say when you change on the inside first, everything on the outside changes too. Well, yeah, but unfortunately when you're in that dark spot, all you see is out because you're in a dark room. Yeah, so you exactly. can't see within, you can't see That's anything right. else. Yes. And when you're in that dark spot, everything that is illuminated is outside and around you. So you start comparing yourself. You start watching other people. You start wishing and envying and coveting. And, and that mm -hmm. just makes everything else worse because now what you're doing is you're devaluing yourself and you've mm -hmm. lost sight of your own potential. So, you know, if, if that's the case, then you need to start small and start by either calling someone, talking to someone. If you're not comfortable with that, then start with some self-help books start by getting into a, a course or a lesson that mm -hmm. you might like but sit down with yourself and decide what it is about you that you want more of yes and once you come through that and this is something <laughs> i've done in the last couple of years it's dealing with emotions you know because you can come through that but you still may have a few triggers um, that you carry through with you. So I get up. Yeah, we always I, have them, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I don't get up every morning and do this anymore, but I, I would get up every morning until it was branded into my head like clockwork and write down the top 10 emotions that I feel every day. And you write them down. And then as time goes on, you start to see a pattern and then when that happens, you write down the top three emotions that you want to be. So I want to be happy. I want to be excited and I want to be full of love. And you put that on a sign and you stick it on your wall. And those are your, your emotional affirmations. And you look at it every single day till it becomes a part of your thinking. So then when you go out into the workplace or the, the world and something goes wrong, you don't get triggered and back on that path because you've programmed yourself to be happy, excited, and full of love. So you never look at something the same again. And what it does is it detaches you from owning someone's projection. And it detaches you from owning someone else's emotion. Um, 
you know, it, it almost takes away that empath feeling where you feel you have to, uh, enmesh with someone and it allows you to look at something and say, okay, I'm happy, excited, and I'm full of love and I'm, I see this has happened and it just, it allows you to be in the moment, but not own what doesn't belong to you. Do you follow me? Yeah, I do follow you. And I'm thinking like the enmeshed part is that's what is the, that's the trap. Like if somebody starts to get activated and then you respond in, like I worked in psych hospitals and, you know, often people would like, these are professional mental health professionals, doctors and social workers and like myself and I would say to the client you need to calm down you know I've never seen anybody calm down when they're saying you need to calm down and and what they're doing is they're just they're getting trapped into their drama because they've been activated by whatever mental health issues being displayed by the client instead of just staying in their own awareness and saying something like I see that you're angry how can I help that all it usually works, right? Like there's a big difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I want to ask you lastly here is, um, um, you know, when you discovered your, your native heritage, that must have been so amazing. And, how, and I'm asking you because of this. I read a book. I can't remember this author's name, but she's a, a tree scientist, a uh, arborologist, I can't remember the name of it, but of what they're called. Yeah, but she does, she studies, and, and she was, anyway, she was in Ireland, she has a PhD, but now she lives in Ottawa, and she, well, she was raised, um, her parents died very young, so she was raised with relatives, and she would go to this little town every summer, and everybody was like concerned about her because she was a, the only child and she was female and she was living with um, full-time with an uncle who was just, out, he was like a bachelor. He didn't know anything how to raise a child. But so what they would do is they would, she was an ancestor of some Celtic um, deep beliefs and um, connected with uh, deep spiritual roots. So they wanted her to be in touch with her roots so she would have some type of coping mechanism and ways of dealing with the world. You know, growing up in Dublin, in the city, um, so she would be, be, be stronger. So they would take her and they would pass her day to day with different people in the village and they'd spend a day learning all about flowers and herbs and the medicinal um, values and of the flowers and herbs and another day where somebody else would teach them how to deal with stress and she said that it helped her so much and I had this conversation with Ruth once this Ruth is in the audience right now and I thought after that at least reading that book I thought you know I wonder if we were just to go into our own past and into our own history like our own, what what's in our DNA what kind of ways do they cope with stress it may be more beneficial to some uh, to do it that way than to just, because the world is getting smaller, we all think about mindfulness, we all think about the same thing, um, but instead going to your roots, because that might be, feel 
more accurate to you. And now that you've been in touch with your native roots, has that had an impact on how you take care of yourself in terms of self-care? Wow. <laughs> um, I have to think about that for a minute. Uh, I mean, I'm still on the journey to uh, learn a, about my culture and and how in depth it is. I think I've always possessed. Now that I'm I'm reaching out back to my my tribe if you want to call them that or or my my um family that i've found and i i see and understand the traditions of our native culture um i can look back over my life and see where there's similarities in coping skills that i did not realize were similar until now so that's a tough question, Ange, because... No, no, I don't mean to put you on the spot. I just thought... I, I wasn't sure how far you were on your journey with um, oh, I'm, that. I, I mean, with, with your new culture, that's all. And well, I, I, I've been yeah. part of my new... It, it's as that, I guess that's what I'm saying. You know, growing up, I look back and I was always meditative. I was always mm -hmm. close to nature. I always found... Um, um, sanctuary and, and being in nature, you know, there was the way I dressed and just, there's a lot of similarities that when I, I started pursuing my, um, cultural heritage about 11 years ago, I, I, and I would come across things. I'm, I'm Mohawk Iroquois, so we're longhouse. It was like, wow, that's what we do. Well, I, I kind of did that when I was younger oh, and it, it's, it's like it was, it's in the DNA. So. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah. And so, you know, does it assist me now? Well, sh sure it does because I've been able to take what I've learned, um, in coping skills and apply it, um, a little deeper into my, my, um, my remedies or my, my self health regime. Uh, one of them, you know, I, but you see, I always did smudging then. I do it now. Mm, now I can do it with more um, understanding and, and there's, there's a, a deeper connection to it. Um, we're bear clans, so we're medicine people. I, I look back and I was always one for um, foraging in the bush and bringing home edible plants and stuff, even back then. And so, I mean, the, I feel like I'm kind of off topic, but has it helped? No, me? I yes. don't think so at all. No. no. Okay. No, that's like so, self-care. I think that's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. You know, the, the, so it was always with me when things were tough, I'd always disappear and, and go foraging. And now as an adult, when things are tough, my sage and, and my, eagle feather comes out and I, I go off and have a meditative moment. Um, you know, yeah, I guess it's helped. <laughs> well, that's beautiful because I guess it's kind of like you were doing these things and possibly because it was part of who Sherry really is. And, but you were doing it just thinking 
not even knowing maybe why you're doing it, just that it felt good. That's right. That's right. I think that's that's a key too. When it feels good, keep doing it, right? You know, because <laughs> well, well, that's what our gut's all about, and yeah. and uh, you know, my culture is huge on that. If if you have even the slightest um, feeling that something's amiss in your gut, then you're to follow that because it, that's what keeps you on path. Unfortunately. Um, in this day and age, people tend to overthink things. People have lost that intuitive path and they've gone on with what's logical, what's practical. Everything is like binary code. Uh, you know, what may appear to be right may not be right for you. So you need to, again, become self-aware, um, yes. be grounded and follow that intuitive path. Because that's what's going to lead you to where you need to, to go. And when you are on that path, that's when you're in your best. Because mm -hmm. when you jump tracks and pursue something because that is what you're expected to do, that is what's right, that's what is being asked of you, that's when you become frustrated and that's when you become annoyed. That's when you become um, overworked. You, you, you tend to run out of fuel quicker because you're trying to feed what is expected of you instead of doing what is genuinely, genuinely and genuinely um, pathed for you, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, you should really, and, any, and in the workplace too, if you find you're getting frustrated all the time, you're short-tempered, you're, you're unhappy there. So maybe you need to sit down quietly and really evaluate what you need to do for yourself to find peace and happiness in what you do for your, you know, uh, bread and water. Yeah. Or maybe you just need to do more self-care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes we think it's the job, but it's us. But, uh, yeah, I think that was well said, like very beautiful, beautifully said. And um, I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts and perspectives. They, they're very helpful and insightful. And I really want to say, Sherry, I know like I haven't, I haven't been in touch with you since high school. And I really want to say as a survivor of a, of a, of a difficult childhood myself and congratulations, even if you didn't have a difficult childhood, like you've achieved so much as, you know, a working mom and your insight and, and what you're giving back now with your, your courses for real estate, etc. I really want to say, you know, thank you and congratulations. And if I were your mama, I'd be super duper, ooper proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ange. <laughs> You're welcome. And I just wanted to maybe like, if unless you have anything else you want to share right now, Sherry, I was will turn it over to the audience and see if they have any questions for you or anything. No, I'm good. I'm good. You do your thing. Okay. Um, Dr. Marina, did you want to say anything first before we bring people up? Or maybe she's not, maybe she's busy. That's okay. Let me s just try to bring some people up. Um, invite 